Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. So you might be able to tell by my voice that uh, I'm not exactly 100%. And it grieves me to no end that here we are in the midst of the finals and I was anticipating that I would be doing, at the very least, a podcast episode every other day. But my uh, health has not allowed me to do that. So even though I'm not feeling great even now, we are on the eve of a very pivotal game four as far as the NBA Finals is concerned. So I'm going to try to eke one out, do the best that I can. I hope you appreciate the effort. It never fails that when a team is struggling, The online experts on player rotations make their presence felt. And we are seeing this phenomenon once again when it comes to the Golden State Warriors in these NBA Finals. And this audacity never ceases to amaze me. That is the audacity of those out there who are casual observers and yet immediately can say with great authority and confidence that Steve Kerr in this case, is playing the wrong players. Kerr has successfully guided teams to three titles, at least I remind you, (laughs) has successfully guided teams to three NBA titles and six NBA Finals appearances. He presided over making Andrew Wiggins a winning player, no small task. He has the unwavering support of multiple future Hall of Famers, such as Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. And yet to hear some armchair experts tell it, he doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to who he is playing or what he is running. Now, whether it's Kerr or any other coach, you will rarely find me second-guessing his, or in some cases her, player rotation at any point. I know it's a popular sport among fans and media members. It's fun, but it's a little bit like calling for the backup quarterback. He could do better. It's always the other side of the fence. It's always the grass is greener. I just find it funny that people 
who don't know the inner workings of a team, who are not privy to what goes on in practice or the large-scale plans of a a franchise, think they know who should be playing and who shouldn't, shouldn't. And all those things factor in. Deciding who plays on any given night, those decisions aren't made in a vacuum. It's not like you start every day over. A player's history, a coach's history with a player, all of that factors in. And it's not as if the people who are making suggestions are necessarily wrong. Sometimes they can be right. But it doesn't take into account why the coach is making the decisions that he is. And that's where I take exception to the suggestion that Steve Kerr or any other coach is doing something wrong because the people who are accusing him of that are basing their ideas, thoughts, whatever, um, on not nearly as much information as the coaching staff has. It's fantasy basketball thinking. Player A does X, or at least the numbers, statistics say that player A does X better than player B. Therefore, player A should be playing over player B. It doesn't take into account that player A and B are graded on more than one area, or that player A and B have to contribute in more than one place, or that there are intangibles involved beyond the pure and simple measure of statistical production, especially at this time of year. A coach's relationship with a player matters. The history of a player with a team and a coach matter. How a player practices matters. Whether or not a player is putting in extra work necessary to do his job matters. Whether or not a player understands and can execute his role matters. And perhaps most important, whether or not the stars on the team trust a player matters, especially in games as important as these in the finals. Which is why I thought I'd devote some time in this podcast to explaining why you're not seeing rookie Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody getting any significant time in this series and why you're not likely to unless Coach Steve Kerr gets truly desperate. Yes, it is clearly apparent to anyone watching the series that the Celtics have a decided advantage athletically, energy-wise, depth-wise. But the idea that just throwing Kaminga or Moody out there is going to solve it doesn't take into account how the Warriors are built or their history. And the first reason that you don't throw them out there is the way the Warriors play, particularly on offense. They don't run plays as much as they operate out of concepts. It's what makes their offense one of one in the league today and one of the most difficult to defend. But it also requires all five players on the floor to read and react accordingly. And if they don't, the opportunity for a Steph Curry or a Clay Thompson to get a good shot is not going to be there. Even if they're not involved, those other players, directly in the play, they have to space the floor correctly. They have to make the right cuts. And it's not just being in the right place, it's being there at the right time. So if Kerr, for example, is looking to play Andre Iguodala, broken down body and all, over the young spry Kaminga, It's because he knows that Iggy not only will be in the right place at the right time, but if something goes wrong, Iguodala has the capability to salvage something out of the possession. 
Now, he has no reason to believe Kaminga can do that. The idea of just throw Moody or Kaminga out there for a couple minutes and see what happens might be one of the least sensical suggestions. Again, it's one thing to do that during the regular season. And even then, coaches are reluctant to do that. But especially now, because games can be lost in the playoffs simply because of a bad three-minute stretch where the opponent gets a couple of easy buckets or the team experimenting with an unproven player has a couple of empty possessions or both. There is no room to just see what happens. Kaminga is out of position defensively and Draymond Green has to come over and take a foul. And now he's in greater foul trouble as a potential result of that. That's just one small example of some of the ancillary things that can happen when you have somebody out there who makes a mistake. It can be amplified because of what has to be done by other players, more important players, as a result to clean up the mess. There is no room to just see what happens. And aside from the fact that the biggest carrot a coach has are minutes. It's why they're not just liberally handed out during the regular season even. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A coach can't give them out frivolously. Because every player is told... Look, finite number of minutes. Every player wants to play more. Everybody wants to get on the floor. And a coach can tell a player, this is what you need to do in order to get on the floor or to get more minutes. Every player is told that on any good team, what he needs to do to get playing time. And rest assured, every player is keeping a keen eye on whether the coach is being true to his word. Not just with them, but every player on the team. So playing a player who has not earned his or her minutes at any level is the quickest way for a coach to lose his team. And if you've ever coached a team or you've ever played on a team that has had any degree of success, you would know that. Now, I don't blame Kaminga. Some of this is not Kaminga's fault. Yes, the Warriors are overmatched by the Celtics when it comes to athleticism, and he could help them in that department. But would he help them enough in that department to offset what he can't do? That's doubtful. He's not a floor spacer as a three-point shooter, nor a playmaker as a passer. He has more turnovers than assists. He shoots 33% from three or he did during the regular season, he has yet to take a three-pointer in the postseason. Or I'd like to take that back, in the finals. And the Warriors are already facing floor spacing issues with Kevon Looney and Draymond Green not being three-point threats. Now, the reality is, the player the Warriors truly miss is Iguodala. I said it at the start of the year, that they were going to need him close to his optimal best if they hoped to win another title. I actually said they needed the big four 
to be close to their optimal best for them to win another title. And that includes Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Steph Curry. And while I could make the case that Steph is playing his best basketball at both ends of the floor, he's not quite the same player. Klay Thompson is clearly not the same player. Draymond Green has been as inconsistent as I've ever seen him. Now, some of that has to do with the matchups. It was about a year ago that I had, I had a GM tell me that the Draymond Green trick is over. And largely that's simply because teams adjusted, as they do. When a team wins a championship, and we'll see this, and it's something I hope to either write about or talk about on the podcast here, anytime a team wins a championship, the rest of the league looks at what they did or how they're composed in order to, A, replicate it and give themselves a chance to vie for a championship, or to combat their superiority. When it came to Draymond Green, he was an X-factor and a unicorn of sorts because he could defend bigger players, rebound, lead the break, and was a playmaker, point forward. That was a brand new thing in 2015. Nobody saw that coming, and it made the Warriors lethal. Andre Iguodala played a very similar role as a point forward. So they not only had one, but two guys. They could always have that guy on the floor, which allowed Steph and Clay to just operate without the ball, find open spaces. Iguodala and Draymond could get them their shots. Those elements are not the same now. Clay doesn't move as well. Steph does not move as well. Sometimes it's hard to, to see, but he doesn't finish at the rim like he once did. Lost a quarter step, I would say. But perhaps the biggest impact is that teams now all have a Draymond Green-sized athletic forward to match up with Draymond. And so there's no longer the element of surprise or the physical advantage that he had when he was playing against bigger, slower players who weren't comfortable chasing him on the break or guarding him on the perimeter where he was operating as a playmaker. That's gone by the boards. Everybody can play small. And more than anything, defensively, the Warriors are simply not the same. There was a time where Draymond Green and Klay Thompson were not just the two best defenders on the Warriors. They were the two of the best defenders in the entire league. That's not the case now. Jalen Brown, as I said in a previous podcast, and has continued to operate this way, he looks, anytime he has a matchup with Klay Thompson, he's not hesitating to go at him. He believes he can get a shot and has proven that he can anytime he's guarded by Klay. And I can't help but feel like some of that is affecting Klay at the offensive end. That because he can't get stops the way he once could, He's pressing just a little bit more in order to get shots, to try to even the score, to maintain that plus-minus on the plus side. And not shooting the ball as well as he normally does, or simply taking the Warriors out of their rhythm. And what we're seeing, and I don't know that anybody's talked about it, is there's a chemistry issue that I'm seeing with Jordan Poole 
and Clay Thompson. There's been more than one instance where I've seen one or the other look the other off in a situation. Now, I've seen Clay look off Jordan Poole and feed Steph Curry for a shot. And Jordan Poole has no place being upset with Clay making that decision, knowing what Clay and Steph have been through through the years. He trusts Steph. And if it's a choice between Jordan and, and Steph, who you trust, totally understand why Clay would make that decision. But I've also seen Jordan look off Clay and Clay react. So I know that Clay's not completely down with some of the decisions that Jordan has made. It bears watching, not so much just for this series, but moving forward. And this is one of the issues that I believe that the Warriors face. Everybody is expecting that Kaminga and Poole and Moses Moody are going to breathe new life into these Warriors. But there's a challenge in bringing in young players, unproven players, and it's the transition. At what point does Jordan Poole get a bigger role than Klay Thompson? Does he ever get that? I will tell you that there's an assistant coach in the league who said to me just the other day, Jordan Poole is costing himself a lot of money with the way that he's playing in these finals. I think it's safe to say that Jordan's weaknesses have been very much exposed in these finals. Now, he was great against Denver. He was great in the regular season. But this idea that he's the heir apparent to Klay Thompson, as whether it's the backcourt teammate to Steph Curry or simply as the next evolution of these Golden State Warriors as a championship caliber team. I've always felt like it was just way too presumptuous to think that Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody or just about anybody is going to be able to replicate what Clay, Steph, and Dre have done. It's an insult to how special they are and how phenomenal they've been and the road that they had to pave in order to become champions. I was there as a beat writer and as a sideline reporter to see that evolution. I know what they once were. I know the commitment they had to make and the improvement that they had to make on so many levels in order to become the champions that, and here's the question, that they are or they were. We're about to find that out. I'm not about to suggest that this series is over, but the idea that the Warriors are starting another dynastic run depends very much on what they're able to do in these finals, because that will determine whether there has been growth and evolution on the part of the Jordan Pools and the young guns coming up, or whether they're far more dependent on Clay, Steph, and Dre than anyone is willing to admit. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I can promise you this, there will be another episode before we get to Game 5. What that will entail have a lot to do with how game four goes in the meantime as always thanks for listening
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 